evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. And welcome to episode six. Seven. Seven. Episode seven. Episode seven. Episode seven of Top Shelf. Yay. This week's episode is number 94 on the list, which is Pulp Fiction from 1994. Yay! Yay! I didn't know if you should say yay or not, so yay. I apologize. No, I say yay, because I really like Pulp Fiction, because I really like Quentin Tarantino movies. Well, I like a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies. I don't like all of them, all of them. Anyway, um, welcome to our new listeners this week. Welcome to our returning listeners. Welcome to everyone listening. Pretty much covers everybody. I've there. had a lot of sugar <laughs> today, this evening. Uh, so specifically Oreos that are the size triple of triple stuffed Oreos. That's ridiculous. Holy anyway, crap. That's ridiculous. Um, just real quick before we get into the movie, this episode is coming the day after Roger Ebert passed away. Yes. So he died yesterday. In tribute to losing who I consider to be a fairly accurate and excellent movie critic, we are now going to incorporate as much as we can the reviews of Roger Ebert into our rankings towards the end of the episode. Yep. We're back to our basic standard standard outline this week. We're plot, technology, and awards. Well, maybe more awards than technology. A lot of awards. <laughs> uh, trivia, and then rankings, reviews, and our thoughts. So, yeah. should be a nice, thorough episode since... It's Pulp Fiction. Come on. Unlike the last picture show, which is the history of the movie is as boring as the movie itself. Yay. I actually cared about the stories that happened in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's just put it that way. Um, for those of you who haven't seen Pulp Fiction, go out and see Pulp Fiction. Yes. Oh, dear. Okay. The plot of Pulp Fiction, which is really hard to describe, but... It's, according to IMDb, the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster's wife, and a pair of diner bandits intertwine in four tales of violence and redemption. Ooh. People get shot. There's a lot of blood. It's real violent. It's violent. It's it's, it's, it's a, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, if you don't... If, if, you, if you didn't see Inglorious Bastards, if you didn't see Django Unchained, if you haven't seen any of the Kill Bill movies, if you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs... What are you doing watching Pulp Fiction? Because um, it's no different than those No, it's films. actually probably less violent yeah, you know, than most of those movies I just I, I, I had actually noticed that. I mean, I'm not a huge Tarantino Even person, but I know From Dust that. Till Dawn oh, and gosh, yeah, True Romance and, well, Four Rooms, I don't think there's a lot of blood. Jackie Brown, is there a lot of blood I don't know. I've Jackie never Brown? seen Jackie Brown. That it's one... in my Netflix queue. I've never seen it, though. Huh. <laughs> Get on that. Dead silence. Okay. So that's the plot of uh, of uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I know this, what movie this, we're doing. This movie that we are currently watching. This movie we have, we're watching. We just watched. We just watched. And are talking well, about. Well, I've seen it. Jeff watched it for the first time. Yes. I all had, the way through. All the way through, because I have seen parts of it over the years. I just was the first time I actually watched it all the way through. And honestly, okay, we'll get into that later. So, so it was a really, really well- well-rounded or well-rounded well-received movie if <laughs> yes, you want was. to uh discuss that briefly. holy cow okay i did not realize this until i started researching basically for this film um our movies in the past have been fairly well you know received when it comes to nominations and awards and and all that stuff and that's why they're kind of on this list is because they were movies that a lot of people did enjoy and they had the awards to back it up this film holds the record of the movies that we have seen so far <laughs> for the most major award nominations 
yet. This film had a hundred and six major film award nominations. Fifty of that hundred and six were wins. So yeah. that's in crazy it's just crazy good odds basically including a couple of oscars yeah right? there was there was uh seven academy awards which the nominations were for best actor in a leading role john devolta best actor in a supporting role samuel L. jackson best actress in a supporting role uma thurman and then best director best film editing and best picture it won uh and also and also best writing which it won best writing so it won basically you know a, a very well-deserved award for Tarantino because of the writing in it. He's won twice for best writing, right? Because Django run, won for best writing this yeah, last year. Just this last yeah. year. So this was his first best writing Oscar. Since. It, in almost 20 years. Yeah, almost 20 years. I mean, 20 years next year. Um, there was six. Uh, six of the awards were Golden Globes, which it basically was, again, nominated for the same things. Best Director, Best P- Picture, Best Performance by John DeVolta, Samuel L. Jackson, and Uma Thurman. And it also won Best Screenplay for okay. the Golden Globes. So basically, the Oscars and the Golden Globes, it won the equivalency. I threw a fun one in. It was nominated for an MTV Music uh, Movie Awards <laughs> for Best Dance. <laughs> and it won that one. And of course, the oh. dance is... It's the it's the scene that everybody, even if you've never seen this movie, you you probably have seen that spoofed at some point. But it's the da- it's the scene between uh, Uma Thurman and John Travolta where they're dancing, uh, and that's yeah. Everybody, you probably have at least seen a portion of that, even if it's in some clip randomly somewhere. So that's what it was nominated and won <laughs> an MTV Movie Award. Pretty sure that is the first uh, MTV Movie Award on any films we've gone through so far, because I'm quite positive Ben Hurd did not win an MTV Movie Award. Just saying. Uh, also, fun quick trivia. This film has not been entered into the film registry. It's uh, one of the first ones we found. Yep. And it's it's on a ton of people's lists, and there's a ton of people asking online why it hasn't been, but it's it has not it has not yet been entered into the film registry. So it might still it might still we got time. I mean, look how long you know some some movies took 30, 40 years before yeah. they got entered into it. So obviously, it's not like it's something that's that's. An immediate. <laughs> I think the most recent one that was entered in, like recently, like within our spans of consciousness, was Toy Story. And yeah. part of me wonders if it was entered in because the technology on which it was housed was so fragile at the time, yeah. where it got corrupted and the files went missing. And that they're probably like just that. like, "Oh crap, we have let's to just put, put this that in. down right now. Just <laughs> no, do it. Let's just put it away. Just put it. And put fine. it in there. It's, it's fine. fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <sighs> Otherwise, it would just be story." <laughs> no, oh, a, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. You know, I bust out the bad jokes every once in a while. So, um, so that was the awards. The technology for the film, you know, I actually was trying to kind of find some more interesting trivia for the technology, but I did not obviously want to step on the trivia. trivia yeah, stores. my trivia is long. Yeah, today. it's quite lengthy. It's good, though. Um, promise. But the, the the major the major technology again there wasn't, and I, I'm we're probably gonna have to like figure out like an alternative to this technology because it's it's kind of hard to do it for every film. There's nothing that was really again invented for this film. Nothing special. Tarantino uh, did have a couple times in this film where he uses an extensive long steady cam camera shot. So basically, a steady cam is whenever the camera's moving. Um, Right, usually right along with people or vehicles or stuff like that, and the car is actually or the car, the 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 camera is moving along with them, usually by a person holding the the camera, uh, and it's kind of moving slow or not slowly but smoothly across the scene. So steady cam in a nutshell, right there. 
Uh, he's got one really good scene near the beginning of the film where John Travolta's character and Samuel L. Jackson's character get off an elevator and they're walking through an apartment complex and you don't consciously realize it at first uh, until you actually make a note to pay attention to it. But you, but it's all one long shot and that scene lasts for good probably at least five minutes, I'd have to say. Oh yeah, where they get it's off, a long scene. Yeah, they get off the elevator, they walk through a couple of the halls, they come to the door, they realize don't go to the door, they walk down the hallway a bit, they talk some more, and then they turn around and come back to the door. And it's all one long take, one long shot. And it's it's beautifully, you know, it's it looks simple to do, but I know from experience those shots are ridiculous to try to pull off, so... So that was kind of cool. And then also one other thing, he, uh, Tarantino in this film also used a couple of... Um, what's called rear screen projections for car driving sequences. So that's whenever you see a person in a vehicle, not all the time, but in a couple of, a couple instances, whenever you see a person driving in a vehicle and the camera's a front on shot and in the background, you see like what would be outside the back of the car. He did that. And that's a technique that they used to use back in like the forties, fifties, sixties, and even briefly in the seventies. Um, he, he did that a couple of times and it was interesting to note in a couple sequences, the footage that was outside of that car was not modern. <laughs> no. There's one scene in specific that I made a note of in my notes, but it's between, um, and I don't know the actress's real name, but it's between Butch, so it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, oh my gosh, it's Bruce Willis's character. <laughs> Almost forgot Bruce Willis's name. That would have been really embarrassing. He's gonna find you. He's now. gonna find me and he's gonna, gr- like, grimace at me and just, yeah, scowl. Um, but his Come character the coast, and, <laughs> and he's gonna get stuck in that air duct. Uh, but it's between his character and this taxi driver named Esmeralda and they're driving and the, the stuff in the background, like the, the outside of the car is obviously from the 1940s. It is black and white and it's, it's not in LA at all. It looks like it's New York or something. Cause I'm pretty sure this, yeah, this movie was supposed to be out in LA cause they mentioned yeah. like Burbank and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, it was an interesting idea you you wouldn't notice it unless you were really paying attention to it but it was an interesting use it's almost like you went you know what we're using the rear projection thing which is an old technique so let's just throw in old footage you know of, of a city street so but i, I it's kind of interesting technique to use especially in a movie from 94 where at that point he could have easily just threw up a green screen behind it and mm-hmm. digitally he did chose it not to. so but he did not did you talk about it winning um that can uh, no, I did not mention cans. I, I probably should have. It's not it, cans, it, it's can. Sorry, can. It, it can, the can film, not the can, can film. Festival. Yeah, can yeah. film festival. For some reason, that did not sound right. The uh, can film festival, obviously, because Pulp Fiction and Tarantino, when he started off, was like the epitome of an independent filmmaker. He started at the same time like Kevin Smith. Yeah, but yeah I it did, won the Palme d'Or. Yeah, I did not mention that it won at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. It, but it did very well. It was one of the 106 and one of the 50 <laughs> awards that it, it, it had won over time. I probably should have pointed that out. I fail at my sections. I am sorry. It's okay. <laughs> well, that's kind of all I, I had for it. awards and technology. I was My sections were were more more robust than last week's. But that's good. We should now continue for the next 25 minutes of trivia. Go. No, first, actually, um, we're going to talk briefly about the influence and reputation of Pulp Fiction because it has actually a pretty, pretty, it's pretty significant. Um, In fact, it became to be regarded as one of the most significant films of the era. Um, It was it was accepted really well, like among critics, but a lot of people questioned its violence. 
And apparently uh, when Bob Dole was running for president in the 90s and like 95, he attacked the American entertainment industry for peddling nightmares of depravity. And Pulp Fiction kind of became like the poster child for that. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot (laughs) more worse movies than Pulp Fiction when it comes to violence. Um, Like Kill Bill. (laughs) It's sometimes compared to... Citizen Kane. Really? Uh, for this reason, um, talking about... Shoot, I lost where it was. Oh. Not since Citizen Kane has one man appeared from relative obscurity... Oh, gotcha. ...to, like, overnight success. We're talking Tarantino? Yeah. Like, the whole, and he, like, like him just... redefined the art of movie making. Gotcha. I mean... Okay. <laughs> Tarantino could have essentially not done another movie after this. Yeah. And been remembered forever. Right. And in my opinion... And this is kind of getting into rankings, what have you. But my opinion, his movies have just gotten better since mm-hmm. this. Because well, I love Inglorious Bastards. It's probably my number one favorite Tarantino movie. And it's because of this movie, really, that and Tarantino that... that he they, gets they, away they, with doing what he wants uh, to yeah, do. Yeah, and they always they always commented that like Miramax, the film production company, was the house that Tarantino built yeah, because of this movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that, yeah, he basically came out of nowhere and it had seven Oscar nominations. Yeah. Like, Well, how many nominations did you say? 106, 106 total, total, and that was over yeah. the course of like three or four years. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's insane that, there, that a single film had that much of an impact. Yeah. I'm sorry that if if I sound stiffly and stuffy, apparently I've gotten stuffy in the last like hour. So I apologize for the the constant nose sniffing. We don't have a cough slash sniffle button as of yet. So I apologize. (laughs) It would just be dead silence if we did. Yeah. (laughs) Not very good. uh, I mean, I know it fixes it, but not very, not very good. No, (laughs) not very good quality programming. Let's move on to trivia for the next 20 minutes. Not literally. I'm joking. Um, As we all know. Well, maybe not all of us, but one of the most iconic lines from this movie is the whole spiel Samuel Jackson does. <laughs> Which The one? passage from the Bible that Jules has memorized was yes. mostly made up by Quentin Tarantino and Samuel Jackson. The only part that's similar to what is in the Bible is the part where he says, and I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger, and you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. However, the parts about the righteous man and the shepherd are not real. (laughs) They might be real, but they're from different parts of the Bible, essentially. So they basically took like a handful of different spots Mm -hmm. and just kind of crammed them together. So Reservoir Dogs and True Romance came out before Pulp Fiction. Quentin Tarantino wrote two of the three stories before he actually wrote Reservoir Dogs and True Romance. And after the success of those films, he decided to write a third story intending to have each segment be directed by a different person. In the movie. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. The shot of Vincent pledging the syringe into Mia's chest was filmed by having John Travolta pull the needle out and then running the film backwards. Really? Yeah. It's also on a list somewhere of one of the most, like, iconic scenes in movies. It's, like, number 14 or something like that. You know, they actually did that really well because... Check Frankenberry. I read, I read the word Frankenberry <laughs> in my notes, and that's where my brain went. Wikipedia. Check Wikipedia. Okay. We're going to start losing listeners again. No, no. We're going to be gaining them because yes. 
what the hell happens in these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> we were so professional for so oh, long. I know, <laughs> until we got popular-ish, and now, we're, now it's just a... Now it's fun. Now it's just embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's uh, fun. <laughs> Frank and Mary. Okay, this next trivia will explain where Frank the Frankenberry outburst You are, in essence, Tarantinoing your own I trivia am, questions. I am. Look at yes, that. Yes, it Bring all it ties all back. in. Bring it all back. Uh, We're fine. Don't worry. When Vincent calls Lance, <laughs> for those who have seen the movie, maybe don't remember, Lance is, is the drug dealer. When Vincent calls Lance on his cell phone, Lance is eating a bowl of Fruit Brute, a cereal from the older Monster Cereal family. Fruit Brute, which along with Yummy Mummy, Frankenberry, mm. Boo Berry, and Count Chocula make up the Monster Cereals. Oh, okay. You can only get three of those now. Yeah. And you can only get them at Halloween. Or if you have a friend who works somewhere where she can get you a case of them <laughs> in, like, February. Wink, wink, nudge, wink, nudge. Wink. That happened. So yum, just finished it. Yummy Mummy is the one that you um, all can't get anymore, right? Because you, you can get... Actually, Fruit Brew was discontinued along with Yummy Mummy. Okay. Quentin Tarantino had held on to a box and drops it in scenes from time to time. It also appears in Reservoir Dogs. Interesting. <laughs> Um, couple of director trademarks that Tarantino has. One of them is feet. Yeah. There's you can bare feet yeah. all the time in his movies, if you notice that ever. Another one is apparently singing over music. Uh, Mia Wallace, who's played by Uma Thurman, sings and dances over the song she puts on when she comes home from Jackrabbit Slims with Vincent Vega. It's John Travolta. It's, um... Girl, you'll be a woman soon by Neil Diamond, is what she sings oh. over. And then Butch, Bruce Willis, also sings over music, but doesn't dance because he's driving. <laughs> Glad he doesn't dance. That would have been weird. Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> Oscar winner Daniel Day-Lewis, wanted yes. the role of Vincent Vega, but Quentin Tarantino turned him down in favor of John Travolta. Do you imagine this movie with Daniel Day-Lewis instead of John Travolta? That would have been weird. Yeah. I I don't I can, I don't know. It's one of those things maybe because I only know John Travolta as that character. Yeah. Even if I haven't seen the movie, I know he played that character. So I guess it's the whole like yeah, imagine if it was this person yeah. all along, it wouldn't have thought it would have been weird. But it's like Will Smith playing Keanu Reeves' character yes, in the Matrix. Matrix. Yeah. You've been weird. Uma Thurman originally turned down the role of Mia Wallace. Quentin Tarantino was so desperate to have her as Mia, he ended up reading her the script over the phone, finally convincing her to take the role. He was obsessed with her forever. Uh, That's the whole Kill Bill thing comes from, too. Apparently. Yeah. My God, dude. <laughs> um, The Ezekiel Bible quote, which is the one we talked about earlier, was actually taken from an early draft of From Dusk Till Dawn. Apparently, Harvey Keitel is in that movie, and his character was yeah. supposed to say it while walking backwards down the hallway facing the vampires. Interesting. For those who have seen From Dust Till Dawn, I have not. It's in my Netflix <sighs> queue. It's one of those movies. Just take a quick, quick, quick break from the podcast. From Dust Till Dawn is one of those movies, because you already mentioned vampires. There's vampires yeah. in it. It's I one of those that. movies where the first, like, half hour of that movie, you're like, okay, so it's it's this weird, like, like Western? bad guy, yeah. like, like. Uh, hold up movie and then it's like oh there's vampires in this and then it's like a horror film like the yeah. last it was just out it's of the Rodriguez movie. is it not yeah Rob Rodriguez had a part of it yep. uh, the movie line you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris they called a royale with cheese was voted as the number 81 of the 100 greatest movie lines by the movie magazine premiere in 2007. Interesting. Which does not exist anymore. It makes me sad. Sad. All right. My God, this trivia thing is long. This is about the briefcase. Oh, okay. This is See, the, that's one why of the I'll longer ones all, I have. Because it's all more trivia than technology anyway. Okay. So. so the briefcase they have in the movie. Got to put my feet up here. <sighs> 
you notice <laughs> that, you know, they open it and they, it's the glowy light and they never show you what's in it. And there's just speculation everywhere about, about what it this. Because it's so beautiful, according to Tim Roth. Um, let's see. Could it be Elvis's gold suit seen worn by Val Kilmer as Elvis in True Romance? That's one of them. The most persistent theory, which is usually attributed to a friend of a friend who saw it posted on a message board (laughs) by someone whose brother had read a report of a radio interview with Tarantino himself. (laughs) Literally, that's in the trivia. Is that it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. The story goes that when the devil takes a person's soul is removed from the back of the head, which isn't part of any known religion, but this is what the message board posters say. When we see the back of Marcellus Wallace's head, he has a bandaid covering the precise spot indicated by tradition for soul removal. Perhaps Marcellus sold his soul to the devil, which would explain why the combination to open the briefcase is 666. Quentin Tarantino has said that the bandaid on the back of Marcellus Wallace's neck had nothing to do with an allusion to the devil stealing his soul, or the actor Ving Rhames had a scar on the back of his neck that he wanted to cover up because he had an incident shaving his head and, like, cut himself. Or it could simply be a 20-watt light light bulb. (laughs) According to Roger Avery, who co-wrote the script with Tarantino, the original plan was to have the briefcase contain diamonds. This seemed neither exciting nor original, so Avery and Tarantino decided to have the briefcase's contents never appear on screen. This way, each filmgoer could mentally fill in the blank with whatever struck his or her imagination as best fitting the description of So Beautiful. The orange light bulb projecting projecting shimmering light onto the actors' faces was a last-minute decision and added a completely unintended, unintended fantastic element. In a radio interview with Howard Stern in late 2003, which is almost 10 years after the movie came out, Quentin Tarantino was asked by a caller what the contents of the briefcase were, and he answered, it's whatever the viewer wants it to be. So really, <coughs> the briefcase is strictly just a MacGuffin. It's all that it is. The, What's a MacGuffin? The MacGuffin? Do you actually not know? Or do I don't okay. know. MacGuffin? Sorry, I didn't know if it was like a quick segue uh, McGuffin, no i literally it, do it, not know what that means it, it is the term it was coined back in uh oh god people are gonna yell me for forgetting this ex- is this like the exactly wilhelm accurate. scream it's like the wilhelm scream the MacGuffin was an item that was coined back in like the 50s and the 60s i want to say it's a hitchcock thing okay please i am sorry if i'm not exactly accurate about that but what it is is it is it is the term used for the item that everybody in the film wants but is not necessarily important to the plot like they don't go God, into detail yeah, about okay. it um the maltese falcon with humphrey bogart back in the day i love that movie the maltese falcon is the MacGuffin. gotcha it is the thing everybody wants but it's not um, the point of the movie but it's not the point of the movie in uh, and then one more modern day reference if anybody's seen mission impossible 3 the item that they are going after, but you never really find out what it is, is the MacGuffin in the film. It's just something that drives the plot that all the characters continue towards, but they don't take time to Even deal with Even more modern in Skyfall is it the whole trying to figure out who hacked the, the intelligence system, yeah. kind of. Kind of that. Because that kind of just stops. Yes. Like once we figure out who it is, then that's just the end. It's like, okay, so that. I think I used that wrong. It's, 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 it's kind of along those lines. Generally, it tends to be an object that drives the force, but is not important. But you can kind of bend the rule a little bit for what the MacGuffin is. But basically, basically, that's what the briefcase is, is the MacGuffin. See, look at that trivia. Trivia. Nice stuff. Movie stuff. You know, that's the technical term for that section that I just threw in there. Continue with your trivia. Parents, remove your children from the room as a swear word is coming up. Swear word. Ready? Entering. Ready? Now. Go. 
The word fuck is used 265 times in this movie. Yeah, I could see that. And I'm pretty sure three quarters of it's from uh, Samuel Jackson. Yep, most likely. <laughs> I think the majority of the word fuck used, majority of the fuck <laughs> used in words. Wow, that sentence made sense. <laughs> Shut up, God. I squeaked. <laughs> And this I'm is sorry. where everyone stops. No, listening. no. This is when everyone's just like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> okay, sorry. Yes. I think the majority of times that, that fuck the word is used, fuck in, is the used world in the is world is by Samuel Jackson. Got you. Yeah, because I'm pretty Shut sure he said mouth. it a good couple dozen times in Do the Right Thing, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving onwards, because I am like a quarter of the way done. And you are good with English, too, actually. Real I know life. I that's am. The thing that I'm, oh, that's why I'm laughing. People are going to think I'm dumb. No, no, she's smart. I am smart. not dumb. She, she's the editor of all the stuff I write. True story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In real life, Vincent Vega's 1964 Chevelle Malibu. Why do I want to say that's wrong? And it should be Chevy Malibu. But anyway. Yeah, it's a Chevy The convertible belonging to Quint- was be- belonged to Quentin Tarantino, and it was stolen during the production of the film. Really? Yep. Well, that sucks. <laughs> uh, Steve Buscemi. Yep. Which is how his name is said, apparently. Yep, Steve in real Buscemi. Life, ha- having to refuse the role of Jimmy doing to ske- due to scheduling conflicts, Buscemi appears in as the Buddy Holly waiter in Jackrabbit Slims. As Mr. Pink and Reservoir Dogs, he refused to tip waitstaff. I don't tip. Oh. You don't tip? I don't tip. Ah. <sighs> Samuel L. Jackson auditioned for the part of the guy who trains Mr. Orange in Reservoir Dogs, but it went to Tim Roth, who's also in this movie. Gotcha. Tarantino enjoyed Jackson's work so much that he wrote the part of Jules specifically for him. Okay. And thus, I think, began the connection of Samuel L. Jackson and Quentin Tarantino Yeah, because they've forever. done... They've, yeah. He's been in everything since then. Has he? Yeah, Okay. pretty much. Um, another director trademark is apparently the Netherlands. Tarantino wrote the script in Amsterdam in a hotel room and in the coffee shop, which is a Dutch euphemism for hash bar. Um, he stayed for several months and left the video rental store cult video with an unpaid bill of about $150. <laughs> Sounds like me in the library. This yeah. day explains the references to Dutch culture and customs at the beginning of the movie. Vincent tells his heroin dealer that I just got back from Amsterdam and discusses it with Jules in their opening scene. In the conversation in the Jackrabbit Slim's restaurant, Mia mentions that she goes to Amsterdam to chill out for a month or two every now and again. In the same restaurant, Vincent smokes drum, which is a Dutch rolling tobacco. Also, the book version of the movie screenplay includes some cut dialogue between Vincent and Mia. He realizes that she was the girl in the cowboy hat in a photo in the hash bar they both visited, the Cobra, which is right across from the Anne Frank house in Amsterdam. Also, Butch often calls Fabienne Tulip, which is a cultural symbol of the Netherlands. Huh. True story. (laughs) <laughs> interesting interesting right uh the movie cost eight million dollars to make five million of that went to pay the actor's salary i was gonna say because this movie is not very very fancy there's nothing I mean, again the technology section there wasn't anything hugely crazy that they used in it which yeah, is but- that's why it feels like an independent film because it there was no real special effects in it nothing well and this is kind of the, the beginning of the independent film yeah movement the early like the early to mid 90s movement yep Yep, I agree. The restaurant scene was filmed at the Hawthorne Grill, located at 13763 Hawthorne Boulevard, Hawthorne, California. 
The building was demolished soon after filming. Oh. I know. I was just going to think, like, oh, I could go out there and take a picture. No. no. I can go take a picture of the lot. Sure. <laughs> Ooh, exciting. Courtney Love, so this should be good, oh, claimed that Quentin Tarantino originally wanted Kurt Cobain and her to play Lance and Jody, the drug dealer and then uh, Patricia Arquette's yeah. character. However, Tarantino denies ever having met, even met Kurt Cobain, much less offering him a part in the movie. So, go Courtney Love. She is crazy. In your random drug-fueled mode. (sighs) In the diner, when Mia orders her $5 shake, Buddy Holly, the waiter, asks her if she wants it, Martin and Lewis or Amos and Andy. He is referring to two comedy duos. Mm -hmm. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, who are two white men, at the Amos and Andy show... There's two black guys. Oh, I was trying to Basically, figure out Basically, he's asking her if she wants vanilla or chocolate. I was totally... And she chooses vanilla. I was totally trying to figure out, like, okay, I'm like, all right, so he's just... It's a pun on the whole, like... Yeah. You know, just team name, or the whole, like, 50s era. It's interesting. I did not even catch that. Nope. Did not even catch I that. I didn't know that until I looked this up. Interesting. <laughs> um, as... I don't know if we've discussed this on earlier ones, but, uh... The AFI has also done individual top ten lists for genres. Mm-hmm. Um, this is ranked number seven on the AFI list of the top ten greatest films in the genre of gangster as of 2008. Okay. Um, yeah. The whole Band-Aid thing with Ving Rhames' neck. It was not an intentional choice by the filmmakers. In reality, it came from an accident Rames had while shaving his head. When Tarantino noticed this, it inspired him to open the Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace sequence with a close-up of the Band-Aid instead. Ultimately, Tarantino liked showing the Band-Aid rather than Rames's face because it accentuated the character's mercurial nature and was more visually exciting than a series of single shots between Ving Rames and Bruce Willis. It was very well done. I, I, that I give, scene where Bruce Willis doesn't blink for like two minutes. We were, so we were counting almost at one point, and I was rooting Bruce Willis on. Don't blink, don't blink. Don't blink, don't blink, don't blink. Oh, Quentin Tarantino was an avid collector of vintage TV show board games, and during the filming of Pulp Fiction, he and John Travolta were reported to have sat on the floor and played the Welcome Back Cotter board game. I own that. Nice. I actually That's own awesome. that board game. I own the Happy Days board game. Really? Like in Friends where they play strip Happy Days game, I totally have the Happy Days game. My grandparents got it for me for my birthday when I turned like 12. None of us, however, have played strip Happy Days game. No, I'm we have not. Just throwing that out no, there. No, it's from Friends, yes. the television program. <laughs> season three? End of season three. I would it I is. would say sure. Season three. I like that show. Sure, they'll go to the beach house. Well. Oh, yes, that is right. Whenever John Travolta's character goes to the toilet, something bad happens. <laughs> Bruce Willis worked on the film for only 18 days. Oh, interesting. Um, an interesting little tidbit, well, it's a little bit long, but uh, when John Travolta was on Inside the Actor Studio with James Lipton, mm-hmm. he goes into detail about the obstacles of tackling his role as Vincent Vega, the most challenging being that he was going to have to show the essence of his character as that of a heroin addict. Never having used the drug himself, Quentin Tarantino had Travolta research his character's addiction by speaking to a recovered heroin addict that Quentin knew personally. Travolta asked his Tarantino's friend to tell him how he could know what it felt like to be on heroin without having actually used it. 
Tarantino's friend explained, if you want to get to the bottom envelope feeling of that, get get plastered on tequila and lie down in a hot pool. Then you will have barely touched the feeling of what it might be like to be on heroin. John Travolta then explained that he was ecstatic to tell his wife that he was told in order to research aspects of his upcoming role's character, he had to get plastered on tequila and lie in a hot pool. He stated that she happily joined him at the hotel hot tub, which had shots of tequila lying from end to end on the railings to assist him in his research. Awesome research. Not so much the next day. <laughs> um, Marcellus Wallace and Mia Wallace never actually speak to one another on screen, even though they're husband and wife. Oh, yeah. Originally, originally set to be released by TriStar as opposed to Miramax, the studio got cold feet when they read the script. <laughs> It's TriStar. <laughs> um, Uma Thurman did not actually like the song that was played in the Jackrabbit Slim's twist contest and told Tarantino about this, saying that it just didn't sound right. And Tarantino simply replied, trust me, it's perfect. And it is. Yeah, it fits. Body count. Yay, eight, body count. We need to start doing on these. on screen, two mentioned. Awesome. Also... As violent and drug-filled as Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> movies are, he's per- very opposed to drugs and violence. Really? Such a weird... He gets scalped in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Because it's his cameo. He's like, when they do the up-close shot of the guy getting scalped, that's Tarantino laying on the ground getting scalped. Yep. In his movie. So that's my trivia. All five pages of it. Yeah, <laughs> my buddy. God. I <laughs> will have one thing to add. Okay. Just because I did find this kind of interesting. Because one thing Tarantino does do, a little bit kind of like what Kevin Smith did with a handful of his films, uh, he does connect yes. characters. He's like Kevin Smith. They yeah. do the same thing. He very yeah. much so is. Uh, and he connects his movies by doing little character connections or something. And people are always saying that uh, they were trying to figure out like what the connection of uh, Django Unchained was to any of his previous mm. films. And it actually is a very subtle, very fast. And it's connected to Pulp Fiction. What okay. it is, is uh, Christopher Walken's character in the film, in, in sorry, in uh, Pulp Fiction, was a general, uh, actually I'm, I'm, I'm completely lost his name here and I, I feel incredibly stupid now because of that. Um, he he plays, a, a, a his character is, his, okay, let me start this over again. The okay. character he See, plays. See, I'm not laughing no, you. No, you should be because I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm not. Um, you should be. Um, he plays a character <laughs> named Captain Coon. He's the guy with the watch that brings it to a young butch. Uh, in Django Unchained, there is a character on a wanted poster named Crazy Craig Coons. And that is supposed to be oh. a distant relative of Christopher Walken's character in Pulp gotcha. Fiction. Gotcha. Like that. Also, the uh, uh, John Travolta's character in this film is technically the younger brother of one of the other guys in Reservoir Dogs. Okay. One of the handful of them. Because it's the it's the Vega brothers. Nice. So they are actually related to each other. Huh. That's how they are connected. That's cool. So, sorry, I just it's a Tarantino no, I like film. That. I that's felt good. like we needed to no, at least good. discuss like that, that I connection. Like that. Um ranking. ranking. It's um number ninety-four on this list. Number four on the IMDB top two hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. It has a nine out of ten stars on IMDB, ninety-four out of a hundred Metascore, and Roger Ebert gave it four stars in when he reviewed it in ninety-four. And it's four out of four or is it four out of five? I mm, not sure. Okay. Four, Still, it's a high... It's either four out of four or four out of five. It's probably four out of four. Still a good rating. Good, Because from what good I remember rating, Hebert really him. liked it, yeah. Siskel, on the other hand, did not care for it. He thought it was too violent and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, I'm a little torn about 
how I feel where it is on the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a great movie. I find it. Sometimes I find it odd that it's on the list, maybe because it's such a popular movie. Yeah. Especially compared to some of the other ones that are not on this list that it's I think true. should be. But it's also... No, it is not new. It was it was on the list when they did it in 97 as well. And it, it? it rose one spot. It rose a spot? It rose from 95 to 94. So it's going up. <clears throat> I don't know. And I, I think it's okay where it is. I'm completely content with it because where it's at. I mean, it was... Like I said, I, haven't, I hadn't seen the film all the way through from beginning to end. And I had seen it now... I enjoyed it. It was a good movie, but yeah, I would have to agree. I, I'm I'm content with it being 94. You know, in the 90s somewhere is perfectly fine with me. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it pushed up a little bit to like like high 80s, 80s yeah. that's okay. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be like five on the list because there is a ton of movies that are ahead of it on this list that I think if even I know of, Tar- there are Tarantino movies that could be higher on the list. Yeah. Especially not, the last two. Right. Not necessarily just this film. You know, not necessarily this film, but other other Tarantino Other Tarantino films. movies, yes I, yes. I would like to do one more little thing. Okay. <laughs> yes, we're going to continue the things I learned from this movie because we think it's funny. I think it's hilarious. Now, I only had three things. I don't know if you if you had anything else that you could think no, of. No, I'm good. We, we only... You should know this about your, the two hosts of your show right here. <laughs> We notoriously make snarky comments about movies, regardless of where we're watching them, and it's really sucky to be sitting around us in theaters if you don't think it's funny. Yes. We've had people get angry at us. Yes, we have. But in our defense, that was at a Twilight movie. Which we got to for free. No, I paid (laughs) for it. I got to go for free. You went for free. (laughs) I did not pay for you, but yes. And proceeded to make fun of the movie the The entire entire time. time. We did have the people sitting behind us laughing. Which they people were enjoying it. next to us Not got so angry. Much. But you know what? It's a Twilight film. But when Get we saw it. Fright Night in yes. theaters, when you, Colin, and I went to see it, yes. and we made Doctor Who jokes the whole time, <laughs> the people around us thought it was hysterical. <laughs> because they knew what we were talking mm-hmm. about when Mr. Plus, that David movie was it. awesome. Don't oh, care. Good film. Love that movie. Where's that film on this list? It's not. It should be. Not even the original one. <laughs> should at least be like 99. Please yeah. throw it on there. Yeah. Just put it high. I don't... Number 101. Be... <laughs> yes. The remake of Fright the Night. Remake. The remake. From 2011. Yeah. So, okay, so here's three things that I learned from this film. Number one, Christopher Walken knows a lot about watches. Which is <laughs> <laughs> just awesome from that scene. Number two, Bruce Willis has a third leg. Yeah, there is some uh, <laughs> brief side male, side nudity. full frontal nudity of Bruce Willis in this movie, which I forgot about until it happened. I'm like, whoa. Did not know I just it. got really high Did registered not, voice right yes. there. It's a third leg, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Oh, Let's boy. just throw that out there. And number three, Uma Thurman is not British, despite what you may think, or likes what we, we think. Because <laughs> completely forgot. I looked that up, and I'm like, oh, she's from Boston. Boston. I mean, her mom is Swedish, and her dad's like a Buddhist guy. But um, you can tell I care. But I always <laughs> you're horrible. I'm horrible. It's not important. Um, so but like, I, I guess I always, for some reason, thought she was another British actress. She plays a lot of. British, British roles, people, maybe? right? I don't know. Like she was in the Avengers, not the Marvel Avengers, the, no, the television British television remi- program, yeah. the Avengers, and like I've the seen the remake her, movie. Yeah, I've seen her do a ton of like British accents over the years, and Actually, I just is assumed. That true? What? 
that she does she's done a ton of British I friends? swear like I feel like her characters no, come across ba- Kill Bill she's American Batman and Robin she's American I just feel like she does like a Brit- oh you know maybe I'm thinking about like her doing her doing the British voice in the Avengers and maybe I'm thinking of her being Swedish uh, Ula and the producers, producers. Yeah. maybe I'm just consciously going I think oh that's she's what it is because I'm looking foreign. through it and she's American in is a she lot of these movies American in most of those yeah see I don't know maybe she's it's apparently only in the, the 98 co- version of Les Mis Really? Yeah. See? There she's playing French. <laughs> and she's a lot younger than I thought she was, too. She's only... She was born in 1970. A lot so younger. she's just now 40. She's 43. She's be 43 this year. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess those... Maybe it is. Maybe it is just those two films combined just make me feel like Uma Thurman would have been at least European, Maybe. not American at all. So. Yeah. Weird. That is all that I have learned from this oh, film. Good. Look forward to more next week, <laughs> next time, not next week. And what are we doing next time, Jeffrey? We are doing, at what, number 93? Yep. The French Connection. From 1971, which is an action crime thriller. Sounds exciting. Rated R, it's 144 minutes, which awesome. is short because Pulp Fiction is almost three hours long. Forgot, Forgot long about that. Uh, Gene Hackman's in the next movie, yes. as is Roy Schneider. Yes, so, so and I've I've heard many good. good things. And there's this, if I recall correctly, uh, the French Connection is another one of those movies where it has been referenced, if not subtly, throughout many other action films, and you know, over the years, because it was kind of that first early 70s kind of more raw dirty action movie and mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure it was one of those and there's that... a lot of good trivia so it won't be boring no good awesome. good 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 and cool. i've never seen yeah it. colin said would like it fresh connection so, yeah i've heard of a lot of people who've liked it over the years so, so it's got to be one of those that's going to be good so and i've True never story. seen it and i don't i doubt you have either have you no i so have not it'll be a good one that neither one of us has seen um unlike pulp fiction where you had seen it and i yep. only seen parts we of watched it, so. my copy yes we watched we watched your copy my DVD copy, not even yeah. my Blu-ray. I don't yeah, we have busted Blu-ray. out the old school copy. Yeah, we did. It, the only way it would have made it better is if we had like a VHS copy that I threw in my VCR sitting right there. <laughs> that would have been awesome with the tracking not holding. Yes, I forgot then, about tracking. Oh, there's this oh. thing for modern kids they'll never understand. No, they won't. They'll never understand the frustration that is the tracking. Tracking button. Oh, goodness. Oh, I just flashed back to a 10-year-old child. Pretty much. That was awesome. Oh, so that's all okay, I have. Okay, that's all for this week, everybody. <laughs> um, We do have a Facebook page now, yes. which is, I believe, facebook.com slash... Oh, you should have told me to look that AFI. up before. I do believe it should be facebook.com slash top shelf AFI. I uh, tried making it somewhat easy so that way people could remember it and it wasn't just a ton of excess uh, uh, writing basically <laughs> to, to remember it. So, but uh, yes, it, it would be facebook.com slash top shelf AFI is okay. the list is the name. So go there, visit it. We are posting links to all of the show, all the episodes we've yep. done. Plus I think kind of other little uh, movie related things that we might find. Obviously mm-hmm. we, uh, you were posting about uh, Roger I Ebert posted some trivia like to Robert Ebert, Robert Ebert, Roger, Roger Ebert. Ebert. Sorry, I spoke too quickly. So, and and just kind of, so definitely like that page, and then you can always find us on ghostat.net. You can find the show on there, and subscribe to us on iTunes and read us. Yay, thank you. Because it's awesome that people listen. All right. Makes it worthwhile. Well, from Jeffrey and I, thank you for listening. And goodbye. And it's all uphill from here. It's all uphill. Hooray! Good night, Radio Raheem. Good night, Radio Raheem. I said his name right this time. You did, good job. Okay, shut it down. That was so condescending. Shut it down. (laughs) You did a good job. You did a good job. Shut Shut it it down. down. (laughs) Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Radio Raheem and Sam Jackson in the same room. 
so entertaining. Shut it down. <laughs> they would just swear. Shut it down. Down. Okay, I'm shutting it shut down. It down. Shut it down. Bye. Shut it down. <laughs> For more information about this and other programming, visit our official website at www.ghostat.net.